welcome back to the Section 5 podcast. Tonight we have half of the Section 5 crew. I'm your host, Trey, and with me tonight is my guy, Adam. What's good, Adam? It's good, Trey. Yeah, man, we got some, some big news that came June 2nd, 2021. Historic day for the Boston Celtics franchise. Uh, we've got word that Danny Ainge, Celtics general manager, and president of basketball operations since 2003 has decided to step down after 18 seasons with the organization. Uh, so we just want to get our thoughts on Danny's tenure uh, with the team. Uh, also, that wasn't the only news that we got. Uh, we got a bomb from, from Woj uh, that Brad Stevens is going to be the new president of basketball operations uh, and will have the power to hire his successor as head coach of the Boston Celtics. Uh, so that was, that was one caveat that we did not see coming. Um, so we want to dive right into uh, the madness that's going on. And I'm going to start off by asking you, Adam, give me your thoughts on on the Danny Ainge era in Boston, it's been 18 years. Uh, how would you sum it up? Like, if you could give it a grade, what would you give it? Um, if you're gonna, if I'm gonna give a grade, I'm gonna say like a B, a B close, close to a B plus. Since 2003, we were contenders. The, I'd say the majority of the time, like the the whole Big Three era, and then. Pretty much since I the second year of IT's resurgence in Boston, kind of, we've been like one of the top four teams in the East for that whole period. Um, and you want, with a general manager and a president of basketball operations, you want him to give your team sustained success, and that's what he gave us. You know, you you don't want to you don't want to be in like a six to an eight seat through that whole time. I think that would have been a ultimate failure if we were just you know a middling playoff team. But, you know, the moves Danny made, you know, have most of the time worked out, you know, getting, pulling the trigger on the big three trade, getting KG and Ray Allen. You know, after that, you, you go out the green, you hire a coach like Brad Stevens, who no one expected, no one was even noted, no, no one knew that he was even available. And Danny Ainge just scooped him up out of Butler. Right after that, he made the most i think one of the most underrated trades at the time was when you traded for isaiah thomas marcus thornton and i think some sort of either a late first or a second round pick for him yeah it was a late um, first. it was a late, a late first round pick for isaiah thomas and that turned it and isaiah was a top three mvp candidate in his last year here um and then after that pulling pulling the pulling the string on the kg ray allen i mean kg paul pierce jason terry trade and getting Tatum and Brown out of it, which is, I mean, you can't ask for anything else from a GM other than, you know, I know people are going to criticize him because we didn't win more than one title. And he, you know, obviously he didn't make the home run swing on a trade when he could have, but looking at it in hindsight, like I, do they want to trade Jalen Brown for a year or two with Jimmy Butler and then see them leave for nothing when, 
and then seeing some other team got have like a young superstar that they could build around and while we have while we have while we're just a middling <laughs> playoff team but um i don't know i i think i think danny did a pretty good job here in boston during his 18 years and he left us in good shape for his successor which is stevens i mean what what do you think what would you what would you give his grade during his 18 years here it's tough i mean I'm I'm in between a B minus, not a B minus. I'm sorry, a B plus, a B plus, and an A minus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the reason why I would lean towards it an A minus would only be because uh, it's it's now a players league, and it's very tough for a GM to assemble a team. And I feel as though Danny put together the pieces and constructed the roster and the salary cap in a way. Uh, that would allow us to maximize the talent. So if you go all the way back to 2016, the Celtics were sitting there with two max cap spots uh, and two draft picks that would become Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And in two back-to-back years, we sign Al Horford um, and we we draft Jalen Brown. And then the following year, we get Gordon Hayward and we sign Jason Tatum. Uh, we draft him. Uh, and so I thought that that was that was pretty pretty good planning and management by Danny Ainge. Um, obviously, he did not hit the home run that he was looking to hit in 2016. I think if everything goes as planned, Kevin Durant meets with Tom Brady, Kelly Olynyk, and he decides that he wants to become a Boston Celtic. Uh, and then he teams up with uh, the little guy It and Al Horford, and then eventually, I think the trade. Kyrie Irving still happens. Uh, we get Kyrie via trading Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, the Brooklyn pick, uh, and we're still able to put together a team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Uh, also, we are able to have both of the Jays still. Uh, and that puts us in a better position, in my opinion, than Brooklyn, so long as Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are willing to wait out You know, the Jays stepping into their own. So, you know, Danny, in my opinion, put us in the right position. It's just that, again, it's a player's league and guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they get to make those decisions. So, you know, when it was time to make his decision, Kevin Durant decided to go to Golden State. Can't can't really blame Danny for that. I think he did all that he can to set us up. Uh, And then when I look at the roster that we had uh, the year after the year we got Gordon Hayward, uh, he got injured the very first game of the season. That's also, you know, not Danny's fault. Uh, but that roster was stacked. You know, people talk about, yep. you know, a lot of Danny's draft picks. And I and I get it. That's one of my knocks on him. The reason why he would not get an A. Uh, one, there was no championship uh, since 2008. Um, I do give him credit for the one that we had. It should have been three. Um, mm-hmm. one knock that would keep him from getting an A plus or an A is some of his drafting. Um, he could have done better at drafting at times. Um, you know, in the Yabusele Zizic draft, I'm sure there was, um, some hidden gems there that he could have gotten. Um, instead we ended up with those guys. Uh, so I, I definitely think, uh, his drafting could knock him down just a little bit. Yeah, and I just want to mention before we, you know, jump into, you know, the the new guy in the job, um, that, like you mentioned, that that team that we had 
in Gordon Hayward's first year, that was almost a perfect team right there to to be. We we could have beat. I think we would have had a great chance of beating Golden State if that roster stayed healthy. It was Kyrie's first season. We had Jalen Brown starting, then Gordon Hayward starting, Tatum was starting, Horford was starting. We had T. Rowe, Smart, Baines, Mook. Um, a first year of Tice. Who else am I missing? Like that, we we had a pretty stacked team, one through ten, one through eleven. And unfortunately, you know, that year was the year Gordon got hurt. And then before the playoffs, Kyrie was hurt. So then we, we were kind of like the scrappy underdog after that. Right. And, you know, that to me was the most one of the, since 2010, that was like the most unfortunate seasons we had because of what we had in our thoughts, what, what, were our, what our thoughts would be beginning that season. And, you know, and that's not, you know, Danny didn't throw the alley to get to Hayward. <laughs> and Danny didn't clip Hayward on his way up or down. Like, so that's, you can't blame Danny on that. So, right. And I just, I just want to reiterate, like I was just saying, like, if we go after Kevin Durant and we land Kevin Durant, that whole roster that you just named is still possible. It's still a plausible mm-hmm. roster to put in place. The only trade I probably wouldn't make at that point, having Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown is the Avery Bradley for Marcus Morris trade. I would rather, have Marcus Smart and Avery Bradley mm-hmm. uh, in that backcourt with Kyrie Irving to go up against Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Uh, right. So I don't think that um, I think that Danny deserves a solid. I'd give him an A minus. If an A minus is a ninety versus mm-hmm. a B plus being a, a eighty nine, I think I'll give him. I'll give him the ninety. Um, so we can't mention. Danny stepping down without mentioning who's going to take his spot as the president of basketball operations. And as I mentioned earlier, that man is the Celtics now former coach. Uh, He's coached the Boston Celtics for the past eight years. And that is Brad Stevens. Uh, So trader Danny is now gone and we welcome Brad Stevens. Um, I'm hoping that he gets to deserve the nickname Blockbuster Brad, (laughs) Uh, but we'll see. Adam, what are your thoughts on Brad Stevens as the new president of basketball operations? It's a very, it was a very, I was surprised. I was very surprised to hear the hire. Um, And it to me, my first thought was, did Stevens just get fired, or are the is this really just like a a promotion for him? Because you know, the, if, during his eight years here, you know, I in my opinion, his you know, other than you know, last year, last year in the bubble, like Stevens mentioned, um, in I think in his the press conference yesterday was. It was the highest quality of basketball that most of us have. I mean, that I've ever seen as far as like how, how the players were executing the plays, like everyone seemed like they were fresh. And obviously that attributed attributed to that. They weren't allowed to do anything else, but play basketball and sleep and go sit at a pool or something. So I think that other than that year, I think his best coaching jobs were the, were with the teams that were the underdogs, the scrap 
the scrappy guys, the the guys with that didn't have the max contracts, um, that he got the most out of, you know, he got the most out of those teams. But with the high quality teams, like with that superstar like players, it just it didn't seem like he was he was resonating with them. And I just want to mention something that, you know, G mentioned in one of our previous pods when um, Tatum was on the I think the the Up and Smoke podcast with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson um, that he was talking about coaches that that he's you know been under and he was gushing at Popovich he was gushing at Coach K and then when you know they asked about Stevens that you know he mentioned that he oh yeah he's a cool dude too and you know G mentioned that at that point you know he felt like the team was kind of the team and you know at least Tatum was kind of you know um, just you know, not even like tuning him out, not even taking his coaching anymore, kind of just like kind of like, all right, guy, like I know what I know exactly what you're gonna say before you say it. And it don't mean anything to me really anymore. So um that's why my first that that attributed to one of my first thoughts being that you know Stevens just got fired. And the only reason that he's the president is because of he just signed a fresh extension, I think when they were in the bubble. So did they not want to pay that money to Stevens and just said, Hey, you know, F it, we're going to give you a promotion, but you're basically going to still make the same amount of money you've been making. You would have made as coach. So we don't have to pay you a buyout. Um, so that to me, that was an interesting hire because again, he has no Brad Stevens has never been anything other, higher than a coach on the basketball level. So it's going to be interesting to see what, you know, how his, how his thoughts from being a coach resonates to being a, you know, in charge of everything. Um, what do you think? What, what, did, what did you think when you, when you seen that, what was going come up? Yeah, I, <clears throat> I thought. Oh, it and I, and I just want to say, cut, say an interesting parallel that both Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens got hired as president of basketball operations at the age of 44. So I just want to put that out there too. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was it was a shocking move uh, to see the tweet come across my screen. At first, I'm thinking, you know, is is Brad getting the, you know, the the Doc Rivers Clippers mm-hmm. special? Is he getting that type of management role? Mm-hmm. The the GM and the coach. Um, and then right after you get Walsh quoting his own tweet to let us know that Brad Stevens will no longer be coaching. And we'll be hiring his successor. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was interesting, especially from a financial standpoint. Um, you just, I'm not sure, but my guess is that Brad Stevens will be getting um, the same pay that he was getting as coach, but now as GM. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe they would pay him a little more. I'm not sure. And then how much less do they get to pay the coach, the new coach, mm-hmm. than Stevens? Maybe that makes up for the difference. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not. Maybe you have to come up with a, a couple more million. Um, but it's it's a lot better than uh, firing Brad Stevens. That would be a bad look. And then Danny Ainge stepping down. And then we're left with Mike Zarin, who's been our assistant GM, and he's been part of everything we've done. Uh, so I'm sure the organization trusts him. Um, and they trust some of those other guys like Austin Ainge. Um, but it just wouldn't have been a good look if we lost Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens. Uh, so, you know, Brad stepping up 
and assuming the the front office role as GM, I think is good. He's a he's a great basketball mind. Um, you know, just hearing him talk about the players, I think he talks about them in, in ways that I just feel like he knows what he's talking about. Um, and I feel like he can do a better job relating to them than Danny Ainge could. Um, and and I think that goes a long way. Also, I think optics-wise, um, it's just a better look around the league to have a younger Brad Stevens. Um, he's going to be the one that te- these teams are doing business with uh, when you're talking trades. Um, so I'm, I'm starting to just wonder, you know, all the relationships that Stevens has built up over the eight years, you know, players, other coaches um, and such, you know, is he going to be able to pull those strings any differently? Is he going to be able to use that to his advantage? Is there any players that, you know, that he might have wanted to pick up that that maybe Danny didn't go after type of situation? And I just really think it's interesting, like the little stories that we're probably going to hear about, they're going to come out. You know, the the Brad Stevens wanted this player, player X, and, and Danny wanted player player Y. So, you know, and, and who was right to want what player? Mm-hmm. I think we're going to hear about those types of things where maybe Brad Stevens um, was right and maybe Danny was wrong type of situation. And so that could be the reason why he is where he is now as the new GM. Um, and then also there was the, the thought that Danny wants to uh, spend more time with his family, also wants to make sure that his health um, is as good as possible. We know that he had a heart attack back in 2019. Um, so, yeah, really excited with the news. I can't wait to see what happens, what's going to be Brad's first move as front office um, in the front office. And, you know, I'm thinking one of those moves might just be um, releasing Taco. <laughs> just had to throw that in there, man. Just just the way that he chased after Kyrie Irving <laughs> in the last game. I think Brad might have to cut ties, man. And I love I love Taco, man. But yeah, I wouldn't really want to cut ties with him because of that. The reason I would cut ties with him is because this year, especially, we needed every fifth, every man on that 15 man roster. And we needed them to be able to contribute in some way, shape, or form. And I can't, I could probably think of one game this year with Taco Got Minutes where he, you know, actually did a little something that wasn't garbage time. So, you know, there's only so much space on a roster. You don't carry 21 guys. You know, I, th- I think that would be, that would be the reason why he would be, you know, he would be let go of nothing against Taco. He seems like he's a great guy. Seems like he works hard and for his size, you know, it's, it's tough for big men like that to be able to coordinate themselves, to be able to play a game like basketball. So, you know, nothing, nothing against Taco, but yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at that either. Yeah. All, all jokes aside, you know, just a joke, but like, Robert Williams, he he also ran up to Kyrie, gave him a nice big hug. You know, I'm not I'm not looking to get rid of Robert Williams, obviously. Right. It's it's the talent disparity. It's the the fact that Taco still needs time and and I'm not sure that we're gonna have that time to give him. So, you know, and then we have Yam, Yamadar, 
We can mm-hmm. win over as a two-way. We have the 40-something pick in this draft that, I mean, you never know. All the teams seem to do it except for us. You can, you can draft someone there that can help you down the road and have them as a two-way. So, you know, if there's an upgrade for Taco or even Tremont Waters, then I think that that's something um, we should look into. Um, yeah. I mean, before, I think before he even gets a chance to do any of those moves, that his first number one priority is to hire the best head coach for this franchise, you know, as soon as possible, preferably before the draft um, or even before even draft workouts start. Like you want, I think you want a new coach in place before the finals are over, or at least the day after the finals are over, you're going to announce who it is because you don't want there to be any uncertainty as far as who's, who's going to be running the show here. You know, you want, you want there to be some encouraging tweets or words from Jalen and Jason, you know, praising the new hire. Um, and I, I'm, I'm wondering who do you think is going to be the new head coach of the Celtics that Brad's going to hire? Well, let me just start off by saying some of the names that have been floated out there, <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're even doing the betting odds for the coaches. Oh, geez. You know, uh, you've got Jay Larenga. Oh, I'm sorry, Jay Laranega, mm-hmm. um, who's a Celtics assistant currently, um, and I believe the organization did say that they'll be looking at the assistant coaches. They'll be looking to interview those guys uh, before mm-hmm. they look outside of the organization. Uh, so you've got Jay. You've got Jason Kidd on this list, uh, who. Uh. He's not coming. He was a coach in Milwaukee. And, and, and one thing about it is like, we talk about Brad Stevens and this relationship with Jason Tatum. And you brought up what G said about pop and, you know, pop and coach K and, you know, you remember when Milwaukee got rid of Jason kid and, and how vocal Giannis was about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So my thought has always been, if the Celtics are looking to get rid of Brad Stevens and these players really care, you would hear the same outcry from, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. No, don't go. No, don't go. We want you to stay type of thing. And I don't know that that was going to be the case. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, Brad going upstairs is, is the best thing for everybody. Um, to finish off the coaching list, there's Chauncey Billups on this list, Lloyd Pierce, Sam Cassell, Kenny Atkinson, uh, Udoka. Who's a, yep, Ime Udoka, who's a who's a pretty good candidate. Uh, Jerron Collins, who's one of the the Collins twins. Alvin Gentry, um, I'm pretty sure Alvin Gentry was on the list of coaching candidates when we were looking uh, to hire. He's on every list. Every time yeah. there's an opening, Alvin Gentry's. <laughs> Before we hired Brad Stevens, uh, the names were like Alvin Gentry and Lionel Hollins. Mm-hmm. So also Nate McMillan. Mike D'Antoni, Becky Hammond, Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, So just a bunch of uh, recycled names that we've heard. Um, Some some names on here are pretty good. I mean, Kenny Atkinson did a pretty good job in Brooklyn. Uh, My my thing with that is I want to hire a former player as coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that will eliminate some of these guys. Um, You know, Kenny Atkinson, I'm sure he has you know, the, the coaching acumen and he knows what he's talking about, but I want someone who I, 
our group of guys can relate to. Uh, so on this list in particular, this is a guy that I've been saying should be our next coach ever since this year. I mean, we've been going back and forth with, you know, is Stevens going to stay or not? So, you know, Chauncey Billups, Chauncey Billups. And my other guy is Jerry Stackhouse. And I know, I know Mark is with me on this one, Jerry Stackhouse. Um, Chauncey Billups is just a guy who's won a championship. He's, he's, you know, played with a winning defense. He knows what it takes to win a championship. Um, and so I think that he would really help with Jalen Brown some more. Um, the development of Peyton Pritchard. Uh, just, I really think that he would be a good voice for our young core. Um, and then also relationships around the league. You just, you never know what can come about by bringing in um, another voice. You never know who, who else has respect for, for that individual. Um, you know, Chauncey Billups is currently the assistant coach for the Los Angeles Clippers. And, you know, with the Clippers maybe falling apart, we're not exactly sure how that series is going to play out. You just never know. You know, what if Kawhi Leonard is going to leave? And what if Chauncey Billups helps you make a make a blockbuster move? Um, if that be the case, you definitely want to bring in a guy like Chauncey. Um, Jerry Stackhouse, I just love how, um, how he holds players accountable. Um, he's tough, passionate, gritty. Um, and I was just talking to a Sherrod Blakely. We were talking on locker room weeks ago about the possibility of Jerry Stackhouse. Uh, he said he's close friends with Stackhouse and, and, and coaching uh, about the possibility of coaching. And uh, he said at the time that not really a possibility because he's looking for a head coach gig. You know, he wouldn't be looking to be an assistant under anyone. And so now I just think it's really interesting that we have the we have the head coach opening. So I'm wondering if Stackhouse becomes an option. And also one other guy, I know G mentioned uh, Penny Hardaway. Mm. And I thought that was a really interesting, really interesting um, option. Penny Hardaway, uh, all the players like him. He's he's getting all the recruits to go. He's getting all the recruits to go to Memphis. Um, you know, guys trusting him. They know what he's done with the Orlando Magic, I think anyone who grew up in Orlando or just watched the NBA um, in the 90s knows that the Orlando Magic were pretty good with Shaq, Penny, Nick Anderson. Um, and then eventually that became T-Max' team. So it's like, I think that would be a, a really solid coach for the Celtics, for Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Um, who do you think? Who do you think should be the next Celtics coach? You know, I really like the the names that you threw out there. Um, Chauncey, Stack, even, you know, Penny as well. You know, you got three X players that like you said, players can relate to. And player you want you want guys I think at this point in Tatum and Brown's career, you want them to have a coach that knows exactly what they're going through. Um, knows how, what buttons to push with them, knows, you know, what system they, they're going to need to succeed. Um, so you definitely, you definitely want that. But my, 
my 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 candidate for the job is also a former player, just not in the NBA, is Carol Lawson. You know, I think that during her time here, the players, you didn't hear anyone say anything bad about Carol Lawson. You didn't really hear anyone say anything about Carol Lawson. And that's pretty good if you're an assistant coach. You kind of want to go under the radar to, you know, build relationships with the players without really people, you know, without really seeing any drama come come associated with your name. So, um, and she was, they, people, you know, the, 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 the players seemed like they were, you know, genuinely, um, you know, appreciative of her during her time here. And when she got the Duke hire, I think everyone on the roster sent, you know, positive tweets out about her and, you know, what she did for their development and as a coach here in Boston and obviously wishing her luck at Duke. But um, I do think that obviously if, if she got the opportunity to coach the Boston Celtics, that she would leave Duke for it. Um, especially knowing it's not like she's going in an unknown situation. Like she's familiar with owners. She's familiar with Brad. She's familiar with the majority of the players on the roster. So it's not like she's going into an unknown situation where she doesn't know how, you know, or if she has that respect from, from the players, which I think that, you know, Scal mentioned it during, um, you know, um, during their broadcast after the press conference. And he mentioned Carol Lawson's name and how, you know, she commanded respect when she was at, at practice, you know, pe- players listened to her. They didn't like, they weren't disrespectful to her in any way, shape or form or because she was a woman or because she'd never been a coach before. Um, so I think that that matters a lot. And, you know, obviously being the first woman coach and being the first African-American woman's coach would be, you know, historic. It would be a historic achievement for, you know, the Celtics and obviously for her. So um, that's that's who I'm that's who I'm thinking they're going to that Stevens is going to hire, you know, someone yeah. that, you know, isn't it's not going to upstage him in any way, shape or form but also someone he knows that, you know, the players are going to respect and play hard for. Yeah. I mean, Carol Lawson was well-respected here. Um, So I do think that'll be a good coaching candidate. I I think Um, we need to put a poll up. He always. And that's the, that's the, that's got following with what they would think. Yeah. We're definitely going to get a poll up. Uh, Yeah. She, she definitely is able to command the respect, um, especially of the young players. I know she worked out a lot with Carson Edwards and like Grant and, you know, Tremont Waters, those guys. Um, and I just think that she, she takes a business approach to practice. She looks like she doesn't take any mess with that. She also communicates well with the players, lets them know what they're not doing. Very hands-on in, in the practices. Um, so yeah, she'd be, she'd be a solid coach. I'm just not sure that, you know, after the, making the commitment to the women's basketball team, if she's going to be willing to jump ship that quick, um, it might feel like the right thing to do, but it might also feel like it's not the right thing to do for her. Mm-hmm. And if there's any other coaching candidate for the Celtics um, that they really also like, um, you know, she might not be so upset if they went in that direction. Yeah, so it's been a it's been a pretty shocking twenty four hours. Um, 
did not expect to hear that news uh, from Dan- about Danny Ainge and definitely not the news about Brad Stevens becoming the new president of basketball operations. Um, but June 2nd, 2021, that will go down as uh, a historic day for the city of Boston and the, the Celtics franchise. Um, you know, it's the start of a, a brand new era. I think it brings excitement uh, to our team. Um, it rids us of the whole Danny Ainge narrative that he couldn't get it done. And now we get to see what Brad Stevens is able to do with the roster. Um, and I think one of the first orders of business, it's definitely not the first because it might be a little harder to do, uh, but what is going to happen with the Kemba Walker contract? And what are going to happen with some of uh, the other players on the roster? Um, I think it's very interesting. You know, Stevens was the coach. He played certain guys and, you know, gave them their minutes here or there. And now with him as GM, uh, you know, is he going to favor those same guys? You know, is Marcus Smart on the trade block? Is Robert Williams on the trade block? Are those guys here to stay? You know, would he prefer to keep those guys and, and offload a, a Kemba contract, you know, so we've got a lot of interesting things coming this offseason. One of the most interesting things that I heard during the press conference was when Stevens was when Ainge said that, you know, there were, there were a, a bunch of moves that Danny made that Brad wasn't necessarily, you know, all in on. And I think we're going to find the answers <laughs> to those questions. I'm already going to go out on a limb and say that it was the Matisse, Bible trade that involved Grant Williams and Carson Edwards mm. and Brad probably wasn't keen of making that. That's just one of my guesses. And then mm-hmm. old Desmond Bain fiasco with, with giving up the 30 pick. I, I want, I wonder how he felt about giving up the 30th pick instead of picking. Yeah. It so yeah, these, these things will be very interesting as the off season shakes out. I'm sure we'll get more and more reports of information that trickles out. Like I said, you know, stories about Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens, front office, who did what and all that. We'll hear more about it. Um, So until then, I guess we're going to catch you guys later. Um, Like I said, it's been, it's been a really good 24 hours. Um, We'll probably catch you guys soon. Talk some off season, um, some moves that could be made, maybe give some grades uh, to the players. Um, for the season that they've had. And uh, we'll see you. We'll see you next time. Let's go, C's. Peace out.